good to see all of you again. Seems like there are a lot more of you here than the last time I was here. That's a good sign. And that's supposed to happen with church. Someone told me one time, well, it's not about numbers. I said, it is with God. He's even got a book called Numbers. <laughs> he wants everybody to be saved. Hallelujah. And he's keeping count. Well, take your Bible, please, and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I know you're doing two important things right now. You're giving in the offering and you are finding a scripture passage. But I believe that West Texans are plenty smart to do two important things at once. I came from Oklahoma. I wasn't. But I spent 15 years here, and now I can do two important things at once. Amen. Praise God. Any other Okies in the building? Let me see that, you, that will admit it. Amen. God bless all the Okies. Do you, do you all know the difference between an Oklahoma tornado and an Oklahoma divorce? There ain't no difference at all. Either way, somebody's losing a trailer. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. <clears throat> by, by faith, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Father, I pray today for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ upon these, your precious people. I thank you, Lord, that today as the word goes forth, the spirit of God will back it up by touching these hearts and lives and making us all that we should be, all that you envision us being. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Miss Ann, would you stand and let them get a look at you anyway? You got all dressed up. They may as well see you. Praise God. I used to call her. There she is. Amen. We've been married 41 and a half years. We're, we're thinking it might work out. Amen. I used to call her the prettiest girl in Tom Green County. Well, she lives in Collin County now. And there's a lot more people there, and she's still the prettiest girl in the county. Amen. I have uh, titled this message, Certified in Spiritual CPR. What the world really is looking for are people who believe what they say. We call ourselves Christians, that is, that title means like Christ. And the world's really waiting to see some people who act like Christ. And that's where they're going to find their revival. That's where they're going to come back to life. That's where they're going to have something ministered to them that will, that will bring them out of their darkness. I don't know about you, but I spent a little time in darkness. Very little. I mean, I was young when I, when I was saved. But I, I, if you've ever spent any time in unbelief and in darkness, you know when you come out of that, wow, what a difference there is in your life. Now, how many of you found the difference already? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a new birth. It's so different. It's not like getting a fence repaired. It's like building a whole new fence. 
You understand, we hadn't just fallen into disrepair because we, we became sinners through Adam. The Bible teaches us that we were dead in trespasses and sins. So to become a Christian doesn't mean you change religions. It just means you need to be born all over again and become a new creature. Amen. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things became brand new. Everything didn't get fixed. Everything was destroyed and started over with a brand new person. Glory to God. You might not be all that you're going to be, but thanks be to God, you're not what you were I don't know if that's good news to you but that really preacher you're doing a good job I don't care if they like it or not I'll pat you on the back all right and the way you present spiritual CPR to someone is just by your own life walking by faith you walk by faith because you cannot let me just say this to you Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Can I say to you that a walk of faith is not a walk that everyone wants to take. But everyone has an opportunity in life, I do believe this, to stand at, at, at the choosing point. At a, row, at a place where two ways meet to choose. If you're going to live your life by what your mind tells you and what your senses tell you and what your flesh tells you and what the world tells you and what the devil tells you. Or you're going to walk by faith. It's just as simple as that. And uh, what equips you to administer CPR is consistency, persistence, and resistance. To be consistent, to be persistent, and to be resistant. When you are consistent, you're the kind of person who deals with yourself. How many of you found that most of the trouble you have in life, you give yourself? It doesn't come from out there, it comes from inside here. It's just a little, it's just six inches that makes all the difference in the Christian life. Right there, the six between your ears. That's the, it's just that little space right there that causes most of us problems. Lee Trevino, the great golfer, said that. Golf is a game of inches. Six, the six between your ears. It's all about concentration. When you're living for yourself. Your life doesn't really make any sense at the end of it all. I want to have my life make sense at the end. It may not always make sense now. Let me, let me say to you, walking by faith doesn't always make sense now. But I read over there in Hebrews chapter 11, when we read Hebrews 11 about Enoch, I turned to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. And you don't have to turn there, but I think it's up there. Enoch walked with God, the Bible says, and he was not, for God took him. That's all it says. We found out in Hebrews 11 that it was 
God took him and he had a testimony that he pleased God. I personally believe that the Bible teaches enough and a number of times throughout the scriptures that there will come something called the rapture of the church. Because we see it in Enoch. And he's referenced in the new covenant as one who God took because he was pleased with him. Church, the Lord is pleased with you. And if you're here and you're not part of this church, well then, he's still pleased that you're here. He may not always be pleased with everything you do, but he's pleased with you today because you're here. And you've opened yourself to the potential of becoming one of those that pleases him all the time. Amen. You don't please him all the time necessarily by how you act. You please him all the time by what you believe. By what you believe. Some of us, praise God, stand still when we worship Jesus. Some of us sit when we worship the Lord. Some of us lift our hands. Some of us dance. But praise be to God. Come here, brother. Some of us, when we praise Jesus, rock and roll. Hallelujah. Amen. And there's, there's space for, for, for you. There's space for you in all you do. But listen, everything you do is about faith. If it's going to please God, it has to be faith. You can be sitting still with your hand, with your face in your hands and be worshiping as long as there's faith involved. Or you can be losing your mind up here behind the guitar and be, <laughs> and be worshiping Jesus as long as there's faith being released from your life. That's what pleases God. I began to wonder, how did Enoch know a man could walk with God because his father hadn't walked with God? And his father before him, and his father before him, and his father before him, and his father before that. But that first father had. There's Adam and there's Enoch, and they are seven. Adam is number one, and Enoch is number seven. The five in between. I can imagine, and I, I did a little study, and I found that Adam was still alive when Enoch was a little boy. Their lives overlapped. So I began to wonder, maybe it happened something like this. I had a grandpa that lived not, you know, across the road from me and the farm across over there. And I could go over and see him and sit. And I often went over there and said, Papa, tell me, Grandpa, I'd say, tell me about the olden days. How many of you had a grandpa, an old grandpa that told you stories? Yeah, well, <clears throat> grandpas like to tell stories. And I tell my grandchildren stories. And uh, I, I'd, say, I'd say, Grandpa, tell me about the olden days. Well, see, when my grandpa was born in 1897, they didn't have cars. Hardly anybody in Tennessee had a car. I mean, they were just kind of getting going, you know. And uh, he told me about the first time he saw one. He was just a little boy. It was amazing. Cars. I mean, they didn't look anything like the cars we call cars, you know. Tell me about the oldness. I can imagine Enoch climbing up into Adam's lap saying, Papa, tell me about the olden days. Well, boy. When I, your papa was young back then, old in days, I, your papa was a king. And he said, Papa, you were a king? Yeah. What were you king? What were you king of? Well, <laughs> you may not believe this, Enoch, but uh, I was king of the whole world. And your mama over there, Eve, she was the queen of the whole world. I named her Eve because she's the mother of all living. Came before everything except me. I was the king of the whole world. He said, Holy Papa, are you kidding me? You were the king of the whole world? Yeah, the king. Now, Papa, this isn't another one of those stories like that story about the talking snake, is it? No, no, no. It's, it's for real. But the talking snake was real too, son. I, I was king of the whole world. King of the whole world, Papa? Are you kidding? That's amazing. 
Well, tell me about it. Well, every day, every day, I, God had built it. God? You knew God? Oh, yeah, he built us a great, beautiful garden and put us in it, me and your mama. And uh, every day, he, he'd come walking in the cool of the day, and we'd go, we'd go talk and walk together. He said, wait a minute. You walked with God? You talked to God? You wa- Are you kidding? No, 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 I did. I walked with God. Oh, Papa, I want to walk with God. And you know now where some folks get it. Well, men don't walk with God anymore, little boy. It's all passed away somewhere in the first century. I know it's in the Bible, but we don't believe that way anymore. No, you can't walk with God just like every old backslider. You don't walk with God. God doesn't move that way anymore. I believe Enoch said, oh, Papa, I still want to walk with God. You did. I don't believe God loves you more than he loves me. I'm going to walk with God. I think he got down out of his grandpa's lap, went down the road, went home, climbed into bed, and got up the next day. And when he threw the covers back and got out of bed, when he put that foot down on the floor for the first time, I think he was more conscious of how he walked than any other day of his life. He took a step by faith and another one and another and another. But you know, he wasn't walking with God, but he was walking with God. How? By faith. God wasn't there, but he was walking with God by faith. He walked. How many of you have been walking with God by faith for a while? Mm-hmm. How many of you have been in need, in need of a miracle, in need of a healing, in need of a young'un to come home or something like that? And you hadn't seen it, but you're still out there by faith. Come on, how many of you are still out there by faith? You know what I'm talking about, that he was out there by faith, wanting to walk with God, and God wasn't showing up, but he was walking by faith. First week, first month, still walking by faith. First year, first decade, who knows? The, 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 the second decade, time's going by. We don't, we don't have any idea how long he's out there walking by faith. But all we do know is that one day he looked around and God was there. He walked by faith until God was there. God showed himself. All of a sudden, Enoch knew that he was pleasing God in how he had walked. So one day they walked. They walked up into the hills and they walked up into the mountains and they walked up into the troposphere and the, and the stratosphere and the ionosphere and the, the ozone layer and the mesosphere. I mean, they just went on up and up and up and up and up. And they got so high in their fellowship with each other. On that day, they stopped for a minute. God said, you know, Enoch, from here... It's actually closer to my house than it is back down to your place. Why don't you just come go with me? The Bible says, and God took him. How? By faith. By faith. By faith. Everything you want, everything you need in life is in your walk of faith. It's dictated by what you believe. Not what you necessarily hope for. That's a good place to start. But it's based on what you'll believe. If you believe that God is watching, that God is in you. Now, there's a big difference between you and Enoch. God isn't just watching. When you've been born again, the Bible says God is not just with you. He's in you. 
Now, it's not about whether God will show up. It's it's about whether God will actually manifest in you, through you, to see these things that you need for your life. There are others out there depending on you. They need this CPR. And the way you spread this thing around, once you get it by faith, is by being consistent. That world out there, they're looking for somebody who's consistent, who always does the right thing. I'm not saying that you have to walk a tightrope. I'm just saying that you have choices every day to either do right or not do right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Y'all, some of you have had choices. I, I'm not going to ask how many times you, how many of you made the wrong choice, but you know when you have. That's not so much going to put a ding in your salvation experience, but it is going to hinder your progress and your witness to the world who's desperately in need of having this CPR applied to their lives. They need, they need something. They need to come back from the dead. Consistent. I was thinking about a friend of mine who, uh, by the name of Nick, he's a, uh, a missionary in Mexico. For years he was down there. Now he's pastoring a church in another state. Nick told me one time he was uh, driving along and had a little car wreck. They bumped him in the back. So he pulled over. You know, because he had a, had a car wreck. Pulled over. Guys jumped out with knives. And they threatened him. Put them to his throat. Said, give us your money. So he, 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 he got his money out, you know, and handed them his money. And they brandished more weapons and said, is that all of it? He said, yeah, yeah, that's it. So they turned and they head back to their car. And uh, Nick's just standing there, and the Holy Ghost says, uh, that's not all the money you have. How about that money in your shoe? You told him that's all the money you had. You give him the money. But I have that money in my shoe for reasons just like this. Yeah, but you said that's all you had. You need to go ahead and give him the rest of it. Whose side are you on? He said, hey, fellas, hang on. Come back here. He goes to pulling off his shoe. Got his shoe off, reached down there in the toe of it, and there was some money, and he handed it to them. They came back over there, threatened him some more, called him a bunch of names, and snatched the money out of his hand and turned and headed back to their car. Just one more minute it took for that to happen, maybe two. Gets back to his car. The police come around the corner and jam the other guy's car, the bad guy's car, between Nick's and theirs. So they can't get away. The cops jump out, grab these guys, take sticks, and just beat them into oblivion. Nick said, I must admit, even though I'm a Christian missionary, that was very satisfying. These guys have been running around the neighborhood robbing everybody. Police got them in the car and went to the bad guy's car, looked in the back seat, it's full of money. So they scraped up all the money and brought it in a big tight bunch and walked over to the missionary and said, did they just rob you? He said, yeah. So he just handed him all that. He said, this isn't all mine. He said, it is now. Get out of here. (laughs) Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Let me say to you, God's not looking for you to be consistent to keep something from you. He wants you to consistently obey Him 
Because that's how he's going to get the best to you. You ought to high-five somebody. I thought that was really awesome right there. (laughs) He's not looking to try to keep things away from you, calling for your consistency. He's trying to get his best to you. He's trying to take the wealth of the wicked and bring it into the hands of the just, praise God. You know, because he does love you. He cares about where you're going. He cares about your needs. He cares about everything about you. But the world is waiting to see somebody who lives a consistent Christian life. Miss Ann and I made up our minds we were going to be in church today. 35 years ago. 35 years ago when we came to the Lord Jesus. We made up our minds then we were going to be in church today. Because if you wait till Saturday night to decide if you're going to church, you're probably not going to make it that Sunday. If you wait till Sunday morning to decide, you're not going to church that day, probably. You have to make up your mind some other time. Just make up your mind to be consistent. Can I have a better amen? Amen. Consistent, persistent, and resistant. Now, let's talk about persistence just for a minute. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, as much as being consistent is you dealing with yourself, being persistent is dealing with what you see in the world, dealing with circumstances, dealing with people, stuff out there. Because there are all kinds of roadblocks out there You know, just in the natural world, all kinds of roadblocks, all kinds of things to try to keep you from getting to where the Lord wants you to go, where you ought to be. You have to be persistent in your walk of faith. Because when we say we're walking by faith, that means we're moving. You can't walk and stand in one place unless you're just exercising. You're planning on getting your life to go. You're walking someplace. You're moving. Faith is about movement. It's about moving with God. A walk of faith is about taking your life from where it is to where it's supposed to be. Amen. Walk by faith and not by sight. I used to say that the opposite of faith is fear. And I'd say the opposite of faith is unbelief. Well, I now believe that the opposite of faith is sight. Because what you see is what lets fear and unbelief in. Looking at, looking at the circumstances. Well, under the circumstances. Well, what are you doing under there? (laughs) Be persistent. I hear a lot of folks these days because so much much trouble with the economy. Some saying, going to have to take chapter 11. I'll finish with this. I say you ought to take chapter 11. You ought to take chapter 11 of Genesis. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Deuteronomy 11 says, Every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. Take, go ahead and take chapter 11 of Proverbs. The righteous is delivered out of trouble. Can I get a good amen? Ecclesiastes 11, take that. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand. You do not know whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall alike be good. Take Mark chapter 11, which says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. I like uh, John chapter 11, which Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And I love Revelation chapter 11. You've got to take this one. The 
kingdoms of this world, they are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign. Glory to God, He shall reign forever and ever and ever. And finally, resistance. All that really is talking about is how you deal with the devil. Consistent is about dealing with you, your flesh. Persistent is about dealing with circumstances. And resistant is about dealing with the devil. And I need to remind you, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It didn't say that there would ever come a time where there was no devil operating. He said even in the latter times, even in the last times, there's going to be. And the greatest way the devil deals with, deals, uh, with people or attacks people and fights with men is through their doctrine. By the way, if you're visiting here, I want to say something to you quickly. Please do not judge this church by what you hear today. They have an enormously talented and wonderful preacher here. So please come back another time and hear Pastor Brandon speak. Amen. Our conclusion is this. Be consistent. Be persistent. Be resistant. This is where you deal with yourself, deal with circumstances, and deal with the devil. And that's how you walk by faith and become spiritually certified in CPR. God bless you, folks.